This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and today we're doing something a little different. We're going to have a special episode, uh, given all the recent um, occurrences of hacking and penetration in Yahoo and Experian and so on. I've got uh, Joseph Chung and Morgan Nolan from Toggle Industries coming in to talk today about one the issue and the challenge with cybersecurity, uh, broad term, uh, some of the things that you can do, and basically going to be a wide-ranging discussion. And hopefully when we're said and done, there are some things that you can pick up that you can do where you're not the tallest person in the foxhole. So with that being said, Joseph, Morgan, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Absolutely. Back. Thank you for having us. So we've had one event after another, uh, from Deloitte getting hacked, NSA's getting hacked, Experian, which is on top of everybody's mind. I think that's half the population in the United States. From what you're doing in, in your field and what you're hearing from your customers, what are you hearing? I think one of the biggest things that we hear from our clients is, why is this happening? Why is nothing being done to solve these problems? A lot of times we see, especially with Experian, and I think we've we, we are all sick of hearing the fact that Yahoo's gotten hacked. We, we, we keep hearing that we're just so tired of it. A lot of our clients are asking us, okay, well, I know I have this service with you, and thankfully nothing has happened to us thus far, but how can we help our colleagues in the industry? How can we help our fellow neighbors in the ecosystem? How can we prevent those incidences from happening to our colleagues? And we keep trying to tell them all you have to do is continue to be educational within your staff, educate your, your clients, and as well as to have a good fundamental mindset and just honestly be vigilant. A lot of times the clients, they don't realize that their personal cybersecurity is literally in their, in their fingertips. If they choose to disclose X information or if they choose to sign up for Y service without looking at the potential repercussions, and, and, and when I say repercussions, uh, I, I mean you're registering for a newsletter for a for recipes or you're registering for what may be perceived as free ABC. It doesn't really matter. You think that by giving out your at Gmail, at Yahoo, at whatever email account, or by providing some sort of, in your mind, nonsensical information, you think that it's free to you, but in actuality, what are you sacrificing? A lot of the, a lot of the times we have these very frank conversations with our existing clients and for the many seminars that we do. As a matter of fact, we have two coming up and we always ask those questions. What kind of information are you putting out there? Are you okay if the person in jail or anywhere else or some prince in Nigeria gets access to the information? Are you okay with that? You have to think, most people, they don't think that someone is going to get access to information. You always have to think of the most unsavory individual or the most unsavory organization getting access to the information that you're willy-nilly putting out there. Is that information you really want out there? Because essentially you're leaving little pieces of your personal puzzle out there, whether it's your personal puzzle or your company's puzzle. And eventually an organization, an entity, an individual, they're going to cobble all these pieces together and have not necessarily a full picture, but they can use what they have to social engineer, reverse engineer, and gain access to your sensitive documents. So the way I always tell people is, Everything that you own in terms of your information, everything that your company does, as well as how it does its business, is sensitive information. So I, I think I'll I'll leave it at that point. So, well, Morgan, <laughs> you're interfacing with your customers. Mm -hmm. What are you hearing about? <clears throat> I know I get choked up too every time I think about experience. <laughs> <laughs> What are you thinking about the experience and, and for the average person out there, how should they think about it and what should they do? Well, if I may, I believe we're talking about the Equifax. That's I'm sorry, most, Equifax. Most recent. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's perfectly fine. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes in this world we're sitting here going, Yahoo, Ex Experian, Equifax, oh my, you know, so it's all clouds in our minds here. But um, Equifax, it, it's a very unfortunate incident. I mean, um, the last... Statistic that I heard was 143 million uh, Americans were compromised. That's over 44% of our entire population. And we're running around 325 million right now. Um, I heard today, actually, however, I believe it was yourself who stated it, that it's looking like it's more around the 145.5 million mark now. So, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate. And we have to ask ourselves, these companies, and, and for their 
for their specific situation, it's a company that we didn't elect necessarily to give them our information. We didn't say, here, I trust you with it, take care of it for me. No, it was given to them before we even had a say in it. And now we're sitting here with ourselves saying, you know, I've been hacked, my information's gone. It hasn't necessarily been used yet, but, you know, where, where did I sign up for this? Why aren't they taking care of my, taking care of my information? And, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate. And we've looked into it. Uh, I, you know, I took a look myself. My family and myself has, have been subject to the data loss, as they put it, you know, or they suspect it has, quote-unquote, whatever we want to call it. Anywho, um, you know, and, and what we have to do, what we have to look into is how are we going to protect ourselves at this point? You know, 44% of the people have lost their information. What is that going to do to us, first off? You know, what kind of information have they taken? What can they do with that information? Uh, but we also have to look into what we're going to do to try to be able to protect ourselves. Now, <clears throat> there's no perfectly clear answer to that, to be frank. Uh, you can go through, you can freeze your credit score. That's one thing that you can do. That's one thing and that when, I know a lot of you clients say, have. So what the person would do mm -hmm. is they would go to their credit reporting, TransUnion, whoever. Yep. Well, what you can do is you can either go through a service. Um, you can go through Equifax itself if you want to trust them with that again. However, I will make one big stipulation about that. If you do use their free credit monitoring that they're pushing out to people, you will actually end up uh, waiving any rights that you have to claim any losses. So if you want to make um, a claim against them, if your information is stolen, whatever the case is, if you use their free software, you are waiving all rights to that. Um, and that's very yeah. fishy in my personal opinion, but hey, that's 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 what it is. I've heard there's been a, a bit of an outcry about that, so I don't know where that's going to end up at. <laughs> yeah. But if, if you take and block your credit report, yep. then in your understanding, yep. what does that do for the person that just blocked it? Well, essentially what that's going to do is that's a deterrent, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, it's not a fix-all. It's not something that's going to cause them to not be able to do anything with the information that they have. All it will do is it will make it more difficult for them. So as you as you mentioned earlier, not being the tallest guy in the foxhole, that's one of the ways you can do that. Now, um, what it will do is it will supposedly freeze your credit score where it is. Um, it will make it much more difficult to open any new accounts, more difficult to get any new loans, more difficult to start a credit card, which is a lot of what people are afraid of right now is that somebody's going to open an account or someone's going to open up a credit card and start charging like crazy. And there's going to go my credit score. So that's one of the things that you can do. Unfortunately, it's not perfect. You know, <laughs> there are very few things in this world anymore that are perfect. And, um, you know, so the, the freezing your credit score can cause some amount of difficulty, which can help you. Mm -hmm. so, so that's the big, the big situation there. The other, the other thing that you can do is you can sign up for some kind of credit monitoring, like your life locks. Um, I know there's quite a few of them out there. That will assist you. And <clears throat> basically what that does is it's very similar to being sick. You want to know that you're sick as early as possible so you can do something about it. And that's what those, those services are doing for you is they're saying, hey, somebody is trying to use your information. And we've picked up on it now, right when it's starting to happen so we can do something about it now. Instead of six months down the line, you find out that you're, um, you know, you're responsible for a hundred and fifty thousand dollar credit card bill for a credit card that you didn't even open. And now the problem is, is you have to go to the United States government. You have to go to the credit card company and say, "Hey, look, that wasn't me." And then, goody for you, now you get to prove it. Mm -hmm. And if you can't prove it, well, congratulations, here's your bill, and good luck. Yeah, I got notified once that I had died. Yeah. Yeah, insurance claim. So yep. you're dead, and I go, well, cool, can I collect? <laughs> right. But nonetheless, so that was uh, the wrong guy, mm -hmm. I, I think. But, you know, and, and so, you know, simple things to do so you can block your credit score. You can engage in an outside monitoring service. Absolutely. You know, so that's closing the door in the barn after the cows got out a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, so you think about kind of the, the environment that we're swimming in, and at this juncture, there's not much we can do about what has happened. Mm -hmm. you know, our social security numbers are compromised. I can't go file for a new one as far as I know. Yeah. You know, And so it's not like a credit card that gets lost or stolen. You can't change the number. Mm -hmm. So here we are. You know, There are a certain quantity of things that we can do. Yep. All right, so for the, for the business owner, 
simple things that a, a normal small business owner can do to perhaps lower their risk profile. One of the first things I would recommend people look into is taking a look at their DUNS numbers, if they have DUNS numbers. Not everyone has. A What's D a DUNS number? A DUNS number is a Dun & Bradstreet okay. number. Mm -hmm. So a lot of organizations who do business with the government, they, they require a DNB number. Now, of course, Equifax isn't a corporate social security number organization. However, many individuals starting out their businesses, they fund their businesses using their personal SSNs as personal guarantors, PGs. And then through that relationship, they now have a DNB number, which is also in some way, shape or form tied in to their personal information. So from that perspective, it's incredibly important to not only look and monitor your personal social security number, but also be proactive and look into and maybe even pay for a report or request a report from Dun & Bradstreet to identify, hey, have there been any inquiries onto my business profile? But Morgan, I, I, don't, I don't want to take your time. No, 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 you're perfectly fine. Um, you know, I, I, I don't disagree with what you say, with what you said, you know, on the personal, on the personal end, if your information was stolen, uh, you know, you're kind of between a rock and a hard place at the moment. Uh, if you go ahead and you take a look into those free credit monitorings, if you keep uh, track of your own credit score and what's being opened up in your name and so on and so forth, that will help. Uh, what I recommend for your business, I, you know, I touched on it earlier, is really looking into organizations who provide uh, some sort of cybersecurity education. You know, whether or not it's ours, whether or not it's a different one, whether or not you're just looking it up on your own. You know, granted, the cybersecurity companies are going to know a little bit more than what you're going to be able to find and be able to tell you fact from fiction. But uh, you know, it, it's worth it for your organization to get trained on cybersecurity because. I'm going to give you a story. It's based off of a true story, should I say. It's based off of many true stories, so names and everything are changed. But uh, you have Jill from uh, Payroll. And Jill gets this interesting email from her CEO. Uh, his name's Mark. Mark says, hey, Jill, I want all of your records. I need it for this report. I need it now. I need it done. Send it to me. And Jill's thinking this is really weird. You know, I, I've never had Mark ask me for this before, but he seems pretty anxious to get it. I better send it there or else I'm going to be under hot water. So Jill packages it up for him, sends it over. And then she picks up the phone, calls Mark and says, hey, Mark, did you get the, the payroll information? I just sent it over. And Mark goes, what are you talking about? I didn't ask for payroll information. It's little things like that, you know, making the call before versus after trying to spot this email, figuring out, you know, this is weird. I need to look into this before I send out this information. Because it's a simple thing that can happen. You know, you, you want to protect your job. You want to make sure you're being efficient. You want to make sure you're on, you know, doing the best you can. But sometimes you have to step back and say, you know what, I am responsible for, let's say our company has 150 employees. I'm responsible for every single one of their information. I'm responsible for the information of the clients. I'm responsible for the distributors, so on and so forth. I need to make sure I'm doing my due diligence to protect them. You know, and sure, maybe your boss is going to be irritated, but at the end of the day, if you tell them, look, I was just making sure that I'm keeping everybody in this organization safe and keeping our name clean. You know, no boss can be too angry at you for that. And so you have basically some kind of policy or procedure for personally identifiable information. Absolutely. And so if you're going to send it to the boss, you, you encrypt it? Well, I would actually, in that specific case, if it looks weird, you know, if it's something that's not normal, call your boss first. Say, hey, I just want to confirm this is you before I send this off. Sure. Because in that case, um, you know, a hacker had broken in either to the server itself and used the email or had created an email that mimics Mark's. Mm -hmm. So it looks almost the exact same, sent off the email and she sent it off because it looked like his. But what I would do is I would make that phone call and say, hey Mark, are you looking for this? Because this is kind of weird. You know, you don't normally ask for this kind of information. I just want to make sure. So that, that would, you know, that's, you know, it's the old see something, say something gig that we yep. hear so much about nowadays. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, you know, rudimentary things, there's all kinds of, uh, they tell you to have this antivirus or that antivirus or this cleaning software or, or this software installed on your computer. Yep. And to our chagrin, we find that some of that's compromised. Yeah. Or, in, you know, effective to some extent. Yeah. So at a minimum for the average business owner, 
what do they do? Buy, yeah. you know, because there's one particular software that I won't name that apparently has now been recommended not to use because it's supposed to be affiliated with some foreign government. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you know, essentially what I'll, what I'll tell you is we tell all of our clients this, brand new, um, even, even people who just come in to consult with us. No solution is 100% impenetrable. No solution is 100% perfect. Uh, the one way that you can make sure that that solution is being used to the best of its abilities is by making sure that your employees are using it to the best of their abilities as well. So going through getting that um, corporate cybersecurity education, going through having a consultation done. You know, we'll, we do consultations for free. We'll go and take a look at your business, see where your uh, risks are, see how your business is being run, and give you even just, hey, this is what you should do. You know, call it a company handbook, if you will. We'll help you write that, where you'll go through and say, okay, this is the practice that we need to do in this certain situation. This is the type of thing we need to look for. This is what we need to go through before we do, before we send off all of our employees' information. Education can be immensely effective in protecting your your clients, your companies, and your personal information. Just being educated about it. So that's what I always recommend, is that you go through, you have a consultation done, you get some corporate uh, cybersecurity education. It's usually, sure, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. You're going to go to any organization, and they're going to want to make some money off of it. You know, it's a business. You know, I, I think about that, you know, and it's good, well, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, lose your data for several days. Exactly. You know, be unable to function in your business for a few days. Yep. Or, you know, um, what's the cost to you as a business owner, if you take and have a breach and your customer's data goes out the door. <laughs> well, have you ever seen a really nice car out there, like a Ferrari or something? Think about four of those. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I say that jokingly, but it is incredibly expensive. Depending on what organization you're in, uh, let's say you're a doctor's office and you lose your pa- patient files and they can prove that it came from you. So you just violated HIPAA right there. Mm. So you're going to go through what we've seen on average is each breach of each individual item, or not item, excuse me, Internet of Things object in your in your office. So let's say your your personal computer, your secretary's computer, your iPhone, um, you know, your secretary's iPhone. Maybe you have three employees who also have computers. So we're looking about yeah, exactly. We're looking at about eight devices right there. It has been uh, estimated that the average cost per device is two hundred fifty thousand dollars. For a business, so if you have eight right there, you lost two million dollars. You know, and I think just in the practical terms, you, you know, the reputational damage. Exactly. You know, and, and exactly, and that's uh, that that does play into the quarter million. It's uh, reputation loss, loss of business, lawsuits, fines by the government. I mean, it goes up and up and above. And the problem is, is sure you say, all right, so I lost two hundred fifty thousand dollars because of my loss of reputation. How long is it going to take you to get that back? You know, and, and you know, so you, you look at that, and and I think about the business owner or the individual looking at this, going, "Holy smoke! Can't bring the phone in the office. Don't communicate on the right. phone. Don't text. Don't you know? Basically, you know, all the stuff that you see all day. You, you know, know, I don't want to scare anybody, but unfortunately, I'm going to give you the 100% honest truth. There is nothing we can do at this point mm-hmm. to limit or to not be on the internet. You know, yep. we could go live in the mountains. You know, I never had technology. Well, guess what? You were born, and that information has been processed by the hospital, which then got processed by another company, who blah, 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 so on and yeah. so forth. You get the point. But, you know, <laughs> regardless of what you think of the guy, you know, Donald Trump came out and stated, President Trump, excuse me, came out and stated that cybersecurity and cybercrime is the number one growing threat to yes. the United States. And, you know, you, you can think the worst of them, you can think the best of them. But the point is, is he's got a- access to more information than any of us should have. <laughs> you know, and he's identifying that as being our biggest threat. And I 100% believe it. But you know, it, you, know you, you watch the old World War II stuff and all the signs they used to have posted. Remember, mm-hmm. loose lips sink ships. Mm-hmm. And all of that, and, and I think about the call to arms, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. And you go... And, you know, in Colorado Springs is a hotbed of cybersecurity, I think. Maybe everywhere else is, too. I don't know. But I think about that whole call to action, Mm -hmm. and I begin to wonder if all of this is a catalyst for that approach. You know, because we've been kind of lulled to a sense of false sense of security. The Internet's Mm -hmm. comfortable. It's accessible. Um, 
lot of the software has made it really simple to use. Mm -hmm. You know, and you think about the data at your fingertips. You're watching TV and you get in your smartphone and go, well, just how old is Clint Eastwood right now? Yep. And you can punch it up and see. Absolutely. Or what, I want to watch this movie with so-and-so and you can pull it up. And I don't think people have a full appreciation of their footprint. Well, absolutely. It has never been easier than today to go out and tell everybody everything about your life. You know, you, you took a look uh, 20 years back and you weren't telling people what you had for breakfast on some random website and hoping that everybody who looked at it was had best intentions for you. You just didn't go out and divulge such information about your life. But nowadays it is so easy to go out and state whatever it is I want to state mm -hmm. and have an audience of viewers to see it. So It's I'll, awful. I want to jump in right there. So as we're talking about all this proverbial freedom of information, if you will, uh, I, I encourage all your listeners to go onto a website called pipl.com, people.com. Type in your name, type in where you lived or anywhere that you lived, and I encourage you to see what information you find about yourself. I think people.com is a great launch pad for information. And I, I say that very loosely because in the field of cybersecurity, there's also a subcategory that many people don't think about. And it, that, that would be the field of cyber forensics is identifying the, 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 old, the old saying, who done it? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have various clients. Uh, our most recent one, uh, individual stole information from XYZ organization. We were able to go in and look at the, uh, the, the extracted files and, I, and definitively find who did it, how they did it, and when they did it. And based off of that information, we were able to extract a name. Mm -hmm. And we were, just, just to see how smart this individual was, we went on to people.com, we typed in their name, and voila, there's this guy's mugshot, date of birth, relatives, activity on social media. That's all fine and dandy, and honestly, that information that we found on people.com, cherry on, on top of the pie, or however that thing goes. We are able to go through the internet as we have it today is constantly, constantly extracting data from your daily life. Morgan, I think you made it a great point that I think not even 10 years ago, if we were posting little Kodak instant photos of our breakfast mm -hmm. in our office cubicles, we probably would have been labeled as an insane person. Yeah. And now, not only are we posting those images, but not many people realize this, but every time you snap a picture, whether it is with your Android, iPhone, Windows device, BlackBerry, it doesn't matter. Well, maybe not BlackBerry. <laughs> but you snap a picture, it's geotagged. Mm -hmm. In layman's terms, what that means is it tags your GPS location as to where you took it, what time, and when you post it. And if an unsavory individual organization entity, doesn't matter who, they get their hands on that, they can look into that image and identify when was this picture taken? Yep. Where was this picture taken? People always think, oh, it's just so innocent. And it goes back to the conversation that we had. Bob saying, well, I really don't care if my friends have this information. That's awesome. Good for you. Who do your friends know? Do you know all of your friends' friends? Do you know all of their friends? So in the military, uh, when I was going through my background checks and everything and some of my colleagues' background checks, we had to write down five names. And then they go through and they find five of those friends. from. So every five, they find five more. And from there, they find five more of those five friends. You really have to consider what kind of information you're putting out there. Because how many degrees of separation do you have from the next individual? And more importantly, how many degrees of separation do you truly want between you and the person who wants to do you or your business harm? Yeah, wow. it used to be six degrees, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like you know, three. There was a, a discussion from a guy named Niall Ferguson on Bloomberg the other morning. He was talking about distributed networks mm -hmm. and talked about before Google, before Facebook, distributed networks were more like the government, hierarchical, and, and you know it was pretty defined. Mm -hmm. Now you can pretty much develop your own distributed network. Yep. And if you think about Facebook and groups, and so it's changed the behavior. And I think the folks that developed those apps probably said, you know, the world's a nice place. Yep. People won't do nefarious things with this data. Either that or they're saying, 
can you imagine how much money I could make after I sell all this information? <laughs> well, yeah, there's that there's that other side. But you know, but the reality is, is there are people out with another agenda. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we've talked about, you know, for the business owner putting in some kind of protocol. Yep. You know, my suspicion oh, yes. is it would probably have to be reinforced periodically. Yes. I would imagine quarterly. Um, and, you know, in, in the years of Mad Magazine and Spy versus Spy, you know, one would do one thing and then they would amend and adjust right. and counter-strike. And, and I think it's just ongoing. So for you guys in the ongoing space, uh, if you are working with a smaller business and you come into them and say, we'll offer our services to give you a profile. Yep. So mm-hmm. the initial consultation or whatever sure. is no expense, if I understood correctly. That is correct. Mm-hmm. And then... What could a, a, a 20 person business expect in the way of an expense if they engaged a, a company like yours to come through and, and try to keep them out of the ditch? I want to let Morgan take the finance question, but, but be, before we get to that point, uh, just in regards to that, I want to talk more so of the procedure that goes into a 20 man organization. We'll go through, we'll take a look at their existing security policies, their personnel policy, their data use policies, if it exists. If it doesn't exist, we take a holistic approach to the organization. What kind of compliances do they do they have within the organization? Are they medical industry? Are they HIPAA compliant? Are they, you, you, you are subjected to the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, and you guys have compliances that ensure that you have X, Y, and Z protections for your client data, your social security, any other personal identifiable information. If they're a baker, okay, well, maybe they don't care as much, but they still have some sort of a PCI. The it's it, PCI is the credit card processors. Sure. They, they have their own specific level of compliances that must be in place. And we, we can spend hours talking about those, but we essentially we want to go through and be proactive. We as an organization, we are one of 4% in the entire country of cybersecurity companies who take a proactive approach. A lot of times, um, other organizations, they are break-fix. So what that means is they only work with organizations after a breach, after an incident has occurred. And fortunately for the cybersecurity company, unfortunately for the victim, is that it is incredibly expensive, incredibly expensive. Uh, Every once in a while, of course, by the nature of our industry, we do get organizations who come to us panicking. This happened to us. Or, hey, uh, we referred to you. We got hacked six, seven weeks ago or a month ago or we just got hacked. What can we do now? How can we make sure this doesn't happen again? You know, and and that that brings up an interesting question. So let's say you're operating your systems. Mm -hmm. What's an, an inclination that you've been hacked. I mean, you like some of these, you may not ever know. It's a great question. So uh, very recently, as a matter of fact, uh, at the, the end of this last quarter, we have access to various SIM and EDR solutions. A SIM is a systems incident event manager, and an EDR is an endpoint detection and response uh, uh, platform. What all that means in layman's terms is we take a historical view of your network. You have 20 people in your organization. So 20 people roughly translates into about 60 endpoints. So it's interesting because every person has two and a half pieces of internet connected devices. I don't quite know how we got the half, but it's two and a half. So I, I, I round up. So we have around 60 endpoints. We take 60 to 90 days worth of information and we identify, okay, person A talks to this website and person B talks to person C. Persons A is in one department, B and C is in another department. After we take that information, we also monitor all of their electronic communications, all of their access, what are they doing on a day-to-day basis. And then through the combination of the EDR and the SIM, it allows ourselves and our engineers sitting in, sitting in the SOC, uh, uh, Secured Operations Center, to take a look and identify, okay, well, person B is all of a sudden talking to person A and trying to, is emailing, and the subject lines are outside of person B's purview. And person A is being non-responsive. Well, person A good good for good for person A because it's if person A is finance and person B and C is in HR, why is HR all of a sudden talking to finance with exception to okay we need to offer this individual this much? That's that's a normal conversation. But if all of a sudden they're trying to say hey I need ten times more information than I've ever had, okay, well then our engineer is going to take a look at it and say that's really interesting. Maybe we should have a conversation with the supervisor, person D. Hey, person D is uh what's going on with person B? Have they been put on notice lately? 
have well, – oh, by the way, we also noticed that person B has been going to Glassdoor.com, Monster.com. Are they looking to jump ship? Why are they all of a sudden talking to person A? Are they trying to do something malicious? Well, you know, and you think about that as as an employee of a business, you kind of go – you feel a little bit, you know, Orwellian. You know, sure, somebody, absolutely. But as a business owner, mm-hmm. I think, you know, and, and that maybe that's an employment contract somewhere sure. where you have that capability. It, it's, well. it's actually interesting. There, there is no such thing as an expectation of privacy in a workplace. There, there's none. So – Individuals, you go into a workplace, you're, you're paid a salary, or if you're an hourly individual, you get paid some sort of financial compensation for the work you're performing there. And as per your employment agreement, maybe there is a, a clause in the states, anything you do here is technically, if you have IP, belongs to the company, anything you do can be monitored and is subjected to criminal prosecution if you do something illegal. Well, and, and if I may, you know, I... <clears throat> I, I appreciate what you what you asked though is you know with with the employee's view what what's going on are you just you don't trust me you know you don't trust that I'm going to be doing what I'm doing well what a lot of these softwares that we that we that we put in place the the sim the EDRs etc what they'll do is they'll not only look for protection for the company so yes you know this person is acting weird it's really strange I don't I don't understand it and yes 20 over 20% of um the reported cyber crimes in 2015 were malicious from internal, so they meant to do it. But it also protects you because we have certain softwares that will take a look and say, all right, person B is doing something weird. We need to flag them. We're watching them. But we also take a look and say, well, wait a minute. We noticed that person B was visiting this this website, and all of a sudden, this website's doing some weird activity on their computer. And What's it the looks like exactly. It looks like something's been installed on the computer. So person B's computer is being used to do the attack, but that doesn't mean that person B is the one in charge of it. Well said. Yeah. yeah. So we have things not only to protect the employee, but also to protect the organization, to protect the um, views and purviews of people, to make sure that everything is doing what it's supposed to be, and that you're not getting blamed for something you're not doing, Absolutely. but also that you're not doing something malicious to the company. So, but going back to your original question, Bob, in, in terms of the price point, uh, how we as an organization, of course, we're, we're based here in the Springs. We do a ton of business in Denver. Mm. So, uh, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll stop there. More, yeah. Do you want to take that? No, no, that's perfectly <laughs> fine. Um, I'm going to give you kind of a joke that I that I tell my that my my potential clients, and unfortunately, a few of them have learned that it's not so much of a joke. It is much less expensive to start preventing and protecting your information now than it is for you to come and have us fix it later when something's yeah. happened. You know, um, we've had we've had clients who said, "You know, you're right, and I should have listened to you then," and it's, it's unfortunate, but. So it's hard to give you an exact number. I'll tell you that, but I'll give you I'll give you a range. Mm-hmm. You know, you say a 20, 20 man shop. We have packages that start around the one thousand to fifteen hundred dollar a month mark. If you want proactive monthly support, now there are other options that you have. You don't have to have us on monthly, but fifteen hundred is a good good mark. And what I'll say is, every single organization is different, and we never build this cookie cutter solution for you. You know, so we're going to customize every single solution for you. And what that will do for you is it will give you a personalized plan. You know, whether or not you're in manufacturing who now has to deal with DFAR and NIST compliance, and that's messed up a lot of manufacturing companies for the government, um, or your, as, as you mentioned, the, the bakery, you know. <laughs> Obviously, there's going to be a bit of a price jump there. Because one has to deal with your cybersecurity compliance with the government, but the problem is, is if you don't do it and you get found out that you're not doing it and say that you are, you're not going to be able to work with the government for quite some time. And that could be your biggest customer. So yes, it, it can be a bit, of a, a bit of a thing to bite off and chew, but I will tell you that we are one of the most reasonable organizations in the Springs. Um, you know, we, we're not charging... Fifty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a penetration test, which honestly is not uncommon within our industry, um, and that's just to tell you that there's a problem. That's not a fix. So we have. And options. for the guys that yeah. don't know what a penetration test is, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll. So um, first of all, there are two forms of tests that are most commonly run: a penetration test, as well as a network vulnerability assessment, an NVA. A penetration test is a very black and white look into the existing infrastructure. Uh, We sign a battery of legal documents, uh, basically giving us the right to simulate an attack on your network. 
There are four kinds of penetration tests, an external, internal, physical, and social engineered attack. An external penetration test is us sitting in our lab trying to break into your infrastructure. We can be sitting in the comfort of our home or a malicious entity could be sitting in their basement or could be sitting in China. It doesn't really matter where. Trying to break into your servers, your database. That's an external attack. An internal attack is me or anyone else or a malicious entity walking into the target's office and sitting down or even sitting outside the target and pointing a radar dish or some sort of wireless transceiver at the building and trying to break in that way. The third one, as I said, was the physical attack, is me coming in actually in the building, plugging in something, whether it's a flash drive or whatever other device, and breaking and having physical access to your devices. So maybe I masquerade as a technician or some sort of data center tech, and I sift uh, the RFID card access. So in large organizations, you have badges that give you access into certain areas. You, you, you sift that information off of another badge and you masquerade as that individual. You gain access to a server room or a, a, a data center and you plug in. That would be a physical attack. And the last one is a social engineered attack. Is Like I said, we, we've been talking about this all throughout the session. Mm -hmm. The information that you put out there, people.com. There are all these resources. The, the reason I'm mentioning people is because it's immediately accessible. We as an organization, we use a lot of other tools to include uh, Kali Linux through the Metasploit package. Uh, we, we use a litany of different tools. But in regards to anyone using, people.com is a great one. You can go online and you can even do a who is lookup on certain uh, addresses, for example, abc.com or whatever.com. You, you, you can go into a Whois lookup and identify who the registrar is, their email address, their phone number, their address, all that kind of information. And then you can take that information, turn around and say, hey, so I know Rob, who is your technical administrator. I'm a really good friend of his. I lost his number. He told me he was going to set up whatever or he was going to give me something. Would you please be so kind as to give me his, his information? I really, really, really don't want him to yell at me. People feel bad. People will do what you ask. You'd be surprised at the level of social engineering. So for some of our clients, we do conduct those four kinds of testing, and we don't tell them which ones we do. They just sign those, those battery legal documents, and then we say, okay, we will chat in a month, two months, and we'll have a red cell report for you. Yeah, what can I say? You know, not every uh, twenty-year-old Russian model on Facebook that wants to be your friend is actually a twenty-year-old <laughs> Russian model. <laughs> so in a in a roundabout way, and that is actually incredibly true. Uh -huh. that, that is an, an amazing way. Well, not amazing. It's it's a horrifying way of social engineering. But oh, yeah. that, in a nutshell, is a penetration test. A network vulnerability assessment is much more superficial. We look at your existing infrastructure, not looking in your files, your data center, or anything. We walk in and with the tools in our pockets, our laptops and our cell phones, what can we see? How do we see it? And what do we find based off of that? So one of the biggest things we, is we walk in and we'll find an unsecured wireless network. Okay, well, Mr. Customer, is this your wireless network? Oh, yeah, of course. We want to give our clients free Wi-Fi. Awesome. Have you considered the repercussions that that might bring onto your organization? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, we, our customers really want free Wi-Fi. Okay, well, have you considered putting a password? And, yeah, you know, most of the time we, we do see organizations that have password-protected uh, um, uh, wireless. But that password is usually the password to the internal admin network. Or and, if I may, mm -hmm. you know, it depends on what kind of permissions you're giving these clients as well. Because if you don't have your your guest Wi-Fi set up well, you could be giving your your clients permission to look at your documents Absolutely. and you don't even know it. Absolutely. From from a legal perspective, uh, once any individual, if, if an individual comes across a data center or some sort of information that did not require a password, it's free game. Mm -hmm. Or if you, the business owner, gave access to the individual, then it is free game. In the lab, so we'll act, let, 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 let me take a step back. Some of our interns, we train them on identifying the signs of VLAN hopping, virtual local area network hopping, going from one network and hopping over to another network and gain access to something. And in, and in order for them to recognize it, we train them, we we teach them how to do that. Of course, we we also have another battery of, of legal documents that state that if you do this, you'll go to jail and you know, all, 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 the, all the goodness that comes with that. But we explain to them how easy it is or how possible it is to gain access to a quote unquote guest network and first of all, see who else is in this environment. When I log on to this wireless network, 
Is it just my device or is it your device? Is it your device? Is it the accountant waiting in the lobby, trying, uh, waiting for, uh, waiting to be seen? And this accountant is logging on to their bank account. Who else is there? Take the breadcrumbs that you have in front of you and use it to your advantage. And those, those tests result in the conversations we have. Mr. Customer, we appreciate the fact that you want to give your clients free Wi-Fi. And again, depending on their industry, we have that conversation. Is it necessary? The customers you lose, is it truly worth you uh, uh, risking a quarter million dollars a pop per compromised device? And from there, we even say, okay, if you really, really have to have wireless, okay, do you want Fort Knox or do you want a solution that is going to deter an individual from getting into a network? As Morgan very aptly put, there is no such thing as a 100% secure network. It doesn't exist. Any individual who tells you otherwise, any antivirus platform says, we will absolutely protect your system. They are full of it. Absolutely full of it. Yeah. Everybody evolves. Things change. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's surprising. I forget the exact statistic, but the amount of new hacks and vulnerabilities and yeah, it, it, it's it's astronomical. There's actually a website that shows all that's going on. Uh, I've yep. seen it. Well, and the thing is, is that website probably reports what's captured. Now, the hundred thousand mm-hmm. that you gave, that's what they find. Yeah, there's stuff that goes unnoticed. It's it, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and so you know, we've talked a bit. Uh, about what businesses can do. Yeah. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about, and we should have in the beginning, is how do people reach out to you that are interested and want to at least start a conversation? Absolutely. Uh, well, my number is 8675309. No, I'm kidding. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> no, so a great place to start is to take a look at our website. It's toggleind.com. Toggleind. So that's T O G G L E I N D.com. Uh, another great way is just to reach out to myself, and I'll give you my, my direct business line. That's 719. 719- Three zero one nine nine eight eight again seven one nine three zero one nine nine eight eight, but that's that's a great way to start talking to us. Um, some some great things to start at is looking at that no- network vulnerability assessment, looking at talking about cybersecurity education because the the network vulnerability assessment that you were talking about is the best way to see exactly where you might be having some issues. And before you continue, Morgan, I just yeah. wanted to add one more thing. We actually have a cyber hotline. Yep. So organizations that are currently or presently undergoing a cybersecurity incident, we highly encourage them to reach out to uh, cyber at toggleind.com. So this way, it comes out to me, comes out to one of my security engineers, and we can respond to it immediately as well. The, the intent of, of this episode was to go out and, and one, to talk about the issue at hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we watch TV at night and you go, well, there was this big thing and people, it's kind of like it's never going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. And the reality, years ago, somebody told me there's two types of people, those that have been hacked and those that are going to be hacked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that pretty much covers the 50-50 thing we were talking about before. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think about it and maybe you don't have the latest and greatest software installed but if you're not as easy a target as the guy next to you, maybe they'll move on. Absolutely. You know, and, and parting here, advice or guidance you guys might offer. Absolutely. If, if you mind, I'm, go ahead. I'll go ahead go and right start. Ahead. So regarding the big Equifax attack, go ahead and go um, you know, on Google, type in Equifax. Make sure you go to their specific website. Mm-hmm. Go in there and take a look. It's, it's posted right on their front page, you know, have I been hacked? You click on that, you fill in your information to find out if you have. That's the first thing to become aware of it. Then definitely go ahead, and I would recommend getting some kind of uh, credit monitoring service because of the fact that, sure, it's going to cost you some money, but it's going to cost you a lot more and more headache if you don't do it. Uh, so that's that's what I recommend. Another big thing, do not use, I, I love you all dearly, but do not use free public Wi-Fi. It is, it is awful. It is the worst. <laughs> you know, I don't know how... How, how much more I can say, but unfortunately, I have. We've had engineers, we've had people come to us and tell us about the free Wi Fi scares that they've had. One of the biggest one, DIA. Going up to Denver International Airport and getting on their free Wi Fi. Basically, here's the way that I look at it if you're going to get on free Wi Fi, don't do anything on there that you would not be 100% comfortable with somebody seeing every single thing you do on it. And some situations, they'll download stuff onto your computer and you won't even know it. And then they'll be watching it afterwards, too. So that's a big one. Don't, don't use public Wi-Fi. Also, I recommend, I know this is such so a So for pain. the guys that work at Starbucks, yep. they're toast. 
Well, actually, so I, I have a really funny story about that. So my, my parents, uh, they just returned from being overseas. And they were in predominantly uh, Asian countries. And they, they, were, they were all over uh, all over the Asian countries. Oh, continent. man, the statistics there. <laughs> yeah. So before they left, I said, well, have a good time. And then halfway through their trip, I said, hey, by the way, um, I imagine you have bills that need to be paid. Is that correct? At some point in time. Well, yeah, we, we kind of forgot about that. Okay, that's fine. Um, let me set you up with a secure VPN. So as an organization, uh, we are Cisco Meraki certified vendors. So, and that's that. That's a product that we. I'm push. sorry, say that slower. We are Cisco Meraki. Okay. Certified vendors. So, Cisco Meraki is a mid to pseudo large organization network, network scalable infrastructure. They do security appliances, switches, and access points. And we, as an organization, we recommend Cisco Meraki products, and we have the ability to install them. We we are not an MSP. We are not managed service providers, nor do we have any intention. Of becoming MSPs. We are MSSPs, Managed Security Service, or more likely MCSP, Managed Cybersecurity Service Providers. I'm, I'm telling you, the audience, is, they've run off the road and hit a tree. <laughs> <laughs> but well, to, basically what we're saying is we're not your IT people. We are okay. not. Yeah. We are not. We are not IT folks. We have the ability to do it if the need arises, but more likely than not, we will probably recommend you out to work with your internal IT or work with a third-party vendor. But Absolutely. Going, we are... We can work with almost any IT provider, um, and that's that's something that's great about us. Is we are not going to say, "Hey, you have to work with these people." No, we're going to take a look at what you have, and we're going to work with it. We are not here to embarrass your IT provider. We're not here to get anyone fired. If anything, we're here to make their make make them look better, yep. because. If we can have a very frank conversation with the individual or individuals or organization managing your IT, and we can show them the errors and faults of their way to prevent them from a lawsuit from our mutual client, we've done our job. So. Well, I, I took you off track. So your folks paying the bills. Oh yeah, yeah. So they they were able to um, they were able to take advantage of the secure VPN, and I was able to monitor all of their traffic coming in. So when you're overseas, for those who've never been out. Uh, I'll use China as an example. If you go to google.com, it's google.com slash CN or something, or google.cn. So the DNS, the domain name servers, basically the the route where all your traffic is going goes to a Chinese version or a Chinese server. So a lot of the things that we enjoy here, various YouTube channels, various news sites, they're blocked over there. And more, more importantly is I have no idea, no idea what entity is watching the traffic Absolutely. that is going across my parents' uh, laptops. So by having an encapsulated secure uh, tunnel going from wherever they are in China to my server, they can have they can have more peace of mind that, okay, if I go to X bank to pay my bills, that my password that I'm typing in isn't going to be immediately pushed out to everywhere. Now, again, I, I must preface, there's no such thing as a 100% guaranteed or secured solution. Um, if, they, if someone really, really, really wanted to go after my parents, I'm sure they could do it. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, it deters a random individual, a random entity from gleaning all that information off of public Wi-Fi, a trusted relative's Wi-Fi. It doesn't matter. So, but... Um, the last thing I would like to say is on our website, uh, every month, every few, every few months, and every usually every every quarter, we have free software that we patch out. Yep. Sometimes it's our own software. Sometimes it's through an organization that we've identified is just absolutely killing it in the industry. So we'll, we'll have links on our website. Hey, this month or this quarter, we are pushing out this software. It can be anti-ransomware. It could be a trial subscription to a VPN that we like. It can be um, Cisco software. It doesn't really matter what it is. The software that we try and push out there, we don't get any. We don't, we don't get paid mm -hmm. because when, when when organizations when they download our free software, they are being proactive in their own like, yep. and they can they can go on and have more peace of mind and confidence that what they're doing is just that much more secure. Well, so, and it makes us feel better too. I mean, our our goal here is to protect our community, the people around us, and anyone we can. You know, whether or not that's uh, we're selling you a solution, we're giving you advice, we're giving you free software, whatever the case is, we want to help our community. Right. Um, one thing I do want to state here for you, though, uh, VPN, Joseph mentioned that a few times. What that is is it's a virtual private network. And what that does for you is basically it creates a link between whatever device you're using and a server back home, we'll call it for this. Security, security appliance. Yeah, security appliance, whatever the case is. 
it creates a tunnel from your device to that, sends the information through that, and then if it needs to be exported, it's exported through the uh, basically home base, if you will. Um, so that's what that is meant for. A couple little t tips I'm going to give you guys before I, I stop rambling on here <laughs> is um, I know it's a pain. It, it absolutely is a pain. But change up your passwords every so often. Uh, you'd be surprised how much that helps. Kind of passwords. Yeah, and what kind of passwords exactly. That's, that's the next step I was getting to is you don't want to be using those passwords of things that you're, it's your favorite thing in the whole world. You know, if you got one kid and your kid's name is Don and it's, uh, I love Don, you know, whatever the case is, that's something people can find out about you. Dogs, favorite colors, favorite um, hobbies, restaurants, names of kids, whatever the case is, try to make your passwords as unassociated as possible. You don't want them to link back to you in any certain way. Um, if you want to be crazy, you can be like me with my security questions. When I fill out a security question, it could say, uh, what's your favorite type of food? And my answer is blue. You know, mm -hmm. it's something completely unrelated. Now that gets to be kind of a pain and you have to keep note of that somewhere or keep track of it if you can. That's really a pain. But switching up your password is immensely helpful. Doing two-step verification is great. What that is, is um, let's say for Google. I've got it for Google. So I enter in my username, I enter in my password, and then I get a code that's sent to my phone. Well, that code is unique, and it's a six to eight digit, and I have to enter that into my computer to verify that it's me. Now, granted, that's not perfectly secure either, but it helps. So that's another one that I recommend. Now, speaking on the China thing, because it's been a thorn in my side since you mentioned it, <laughs> uh, there have been quite a few studies, and I can't quote on who from. However, it has been shown that often, if you go to China, if you go to some of the Asian countries and you check into a hotel, let's say you leave your company laptop in the room. Let's say you even lock it up in the safe. It has been shown that oftentimes, the employees will go into your room, they will open up the safe, they will disassemble your computer, they will install whatever they want into it, put it back together and put it in your safe and lock it for you. If you are going Overseas, especially to the Asian countries, I recommend if you can, don't bring your company stuff with you. Mm -hmm. Keep it as minimal as possible. So maybe a company phone, a company computer, and take it with you. Don't leave it in your room. Well, there was that discussion after the Olympics in Russia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. And it was basically everybody. Yep. Everybody. And in fact, they did that on the news. They were talking about it. Says, here, here it is in real time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, guys, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you, you know. Very much. You know, and, and so uh, for the listeners, I, uh, if you have some concerns, I encourage you to reach out. These guys didn't ask to come in. I asked them to come in. And so because I thought it was important to at least get the knowledge out there or at least the awareness that you can do something. So, guys, again, thanks for your time. Bob, thank Absolutely. you very much. Good thank you for having us.